Raven, let's catch up on what we've been playing this year and look forward to the Game Awards. everybody and welcome to another edition of making fun podcast my name is casey johnson alongside me as always is my lifelong friend and future groomsman at ravn stab miller raven stab miller how are you buddy i'm doing well casey it's been it's been too long since we've been on the air you know we once had a weekly podcast and then it kind of became a bi-weekly podcast and now it's a whenever we have time in our busy ass lives podcast <laughs> And here's yeah. where we find ourselves. But I've been good, man. How about yourself? You know, it's been busy, obviously. I had this whole uh, award show thing that happened. There were several trips in there. But uh, things are finally settling down a little bit. And hopefully I can make sense out of this circus ride that is my life and become more of a consistent, just human being in general. <laughs> You know, I think that's what everybody should strive to do. It is not like I've been perfectly consistent myself over here. Things have been things have been going crazy between work and between home and I'm just like every every day, everybody every week that somebody wants to do something, like, Are you free on Wednesday? And I haven't seen them for like six months, so I'm obligated to say yes. <laughs> then I ask you to reschedule and obviously since you have our Wednesday scheduled out for us, your entire rest of your week's full and it's just being an adult's hard, man. Yeah. Can we just go back where you made dumb jokes on the weather channel and i was just a b plus student i mean i mean for to think too like we were gonna record last week and then just tragedy yeah that was that was um, rough rough for everybody involved yeah um so we're here right now though and dear god is there well this is weird because there's a lot to talk about but there's also not that much to talk about yeah, like we ha I have a lot. We have a lot of thoughts and opinions about the three topics to talk about today. <laughs> and a the biggest topic opinions. for that is going to be um, this is going to be the last show that we um, have the opportunity to release for you guys before the game awards. And uh, mm -hmm. so we're going to run down and do our yearly prediction show there. It's the one show we've never missed. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> then, <laughs> past that we have a few different things to talk to you about mostly our running reviews on things that we have been playing and oh boy do i have so many questions for raven oh boy does he have, have so many questions for me so mm -hmm. let's get started with raven raven i understand that you finally completed horizon forbidden west that is correct. I want the I want the record to state that not only did I complete Horizon Forbidden West, I sent you a picture on Snapchat of the Platinum Trophy notification of Horizon Forbidden West that just said underneath the caption, I hate this game. Yeah. And I, at the time, felt more strongly than I do now but man, did the last like 15 hours of Horizon Forbidden West just like really rub me the wrong way. Mm. <sighs> so where do I start? Um, I think the big thing is that <laughs> I think Horizon's combat's just kind of boring. Like that sounds kind of weird, 
but you always have to do combat against the robots and fighting the robots is cool the first couple of times you fight that kind of robot right and then it becomes a checklist it's a checklist like okay do i have the right weapon equipped no okay let me go hide equip that weapon let me hit him with frost let me do some extra damage and then let me just keep redoing that it's not anything and then like especially towards the end the terror spines or whatever those are called yeah uh, slaughter spines i think slaughter spines yeah the very cool looking enemies uh very very frustrating because of how large they are they'll hit you in a direction and then continue running at you so by the time that your iframes recover you get hit again Mm. and so it's just like i found myself frequently just like getting extremely frustrated at the combat that i was in just because i was just like okay i'm doing the i'm doing the routine and it doesn't feel right and obviously i could have been playing incorrectly i should have been laying traps or whatever but i just i don't know like laying the traps didn't really do a lot either yeah right they don't like instantly set off that elemental load and even if they did it's not like they're doing a ton of damage that makes it easier it just gives you an opportunity to attack them for a little bit which if you're sneaking you get to do anyway yeah so and i I think that that's that's (laughs) that's an interesting one to get into as well because Ultimately, I think a lot of times your gameplay experience, as we've talked about with my, um, you and I were talked about my uh, my jaunt back through the first God of War, and I wasn't yeah. enjoying it nearly as much. And it, I, it was like, well, you know, in the end, maybe I had it too easy. Mm-hmm. Um, although, spoiler alert, after sinking my teeth into God of War Ragnarok, I don't think that was the problem. But, okay. I'm going to I'm going to get to that soon. Um but you know to a certain extent it can always be about finding your correct balance between you know difficulty level and accessibility settings and it feels like back when we were kids and maybe we were just dumb kids who were entertained by anything but it mm-hmm. was not that hard to dial in your experience so that it was the correct balance of I'm having fun with this and it's properly challenging for me, but I don't get bored with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really big issue, especially considering just like not even necessarily the combat, right. Um, But just like the scale of the map in forbidden West two was just preposterously large. And I think that didn't help my brain, Uh, but to get back to the combat, so for listeners of the podcast who may or may not know, I actually started playing this game about a week or two after its launch. I play, I started playing it back in February. Yeah. And then I had just gotten out of 100%ing Valhalla, and I was like, okay, I need to stop, right? Like, I need to I need to take a nap. <laughs> I played all of Valhalla, and then I played Horizon Zero Dawn, like all the way through. Like, I had done, like, four back-to-back, like, giant open-world games. I was like, I need to stop. So Mm -hmm. I stopped for a bit, played some indie titles, refreshed my brain, and went back into it. And then I realized uh, whenever I had originally set up my save file, because I had just done a lot of Zero Dawn, I had the difficulty set to hard instead of normal. So I went ahead and bumped it down to normal because, you know, I obviously wasn't having fun. Like, I was with uh, uh, Kotoke. I, I don't I don't remember the Yeah. Um 
I really like his character. I just can't remember the exact pronunciation of his name. Um, Katoke. Uh, he, uh, whenever you're going to fight the tremor, the um, the tremor tusk with him, mm-hmm. um, and then he, that fight was exceptionally difficult. Like I think I spent an hour on it, and I eventually just was like, "What is going on?" I looked at my diff. I was going going to turn it down to easy, and I realized I was on hard, and I was like, <laughs> "Okay." And I turned it down to normal. And still, fighting the big robots is supposed to feel cool. Yeah. But can't do much to them. And so it's just, like, it's really difficult to nail in that exact, like, perfect, like, this game is cool and interesting to I'm having a fun and compelling time doing the combat. Yeah. And, and that's not to get into how the narrative turned out, but I'll go ahead and let you continue first. Well, it, it it's, and it makes you think, too, like, is it the game's fault or is it on me? And then you mm-hmm. have to think to yourself, well, no, ultimately it's on the game because, yeah. you know, I'm a big proponent of if the game lets you play in that manner, then you're not playing the game the wrong way. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, so, like, I, one really good example of that, a lot of people argued about this when Watch Dogs 2 came out, where, like, Watch Dogs 2 is a fantastic game. It's one of my favorite games. But it feels weird when Marcus takes a machine gun and starts blasting people with it. It's like, oh, this doesn't this doesn't feel right. And it's like, well, you know, you're not supposed to be playing the game that way. You're supposed to be playing the game using the like well, but it gives me a machine gun. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like it so, gives me the ability to do it, I should be able to do it. Right. Exactly. So and, and it's weird yeah. in today's market, I think. Exactly. And not and, and not to mention that like my minor nuance complaints with it, right? Like uh overarching narrative stuff I'll get into whenever I kind of wrap up my discussion here. But hunting to get like equipment upgrades is something that was originally in Far Cry three and was interesting and new in Far Cry three and now it's just boring and repetitive. Um, only doubled by the fact that you also need to hunt machines, which the aforementioned hunting machines is boring. Mm. Uh, because fighting machines is a checklist that's kind of dull to complete sometimes. And you can trade, but you can't trade for, like, the slaughter spines and the tremor tusk stuff. So you have to fight them, and those are the worst enemies to fight because of how ridiculous they can be. Like, I remembered fighting a thunder, or a, yeah, like, one, a thunder, not a thunder draw. I don't even remember its name. It's so insignificant now. The, the, the big guy from the first game, right? No, that's thunder draw. Thunderjaw? Okay, I was right. I remember fighting a Thunderjaw the first time. I was like, oh shit, that's crazy. Uh, and then, because you fight them at like level like 20-something in this game, I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. Like, I wonder how they're going to continue to... Sorry, I muted myself. And then they realized um, they just added more hit points and then more external guns that can hit you while you're trying to avoid the other external guns that are hitting you. Yeah. So it's a lot of dancing around which sounds interesting until you realize that like yes you can dodge roll and you can like kind of shoot those weapons off but it's not it's not as easy as shoot the weapon once and it's off you have to shoot it like four or five times yeah unless you have like the specific kind of weapon in which case like yeah it's better but it's just it's just frustrating i don't know um yeah, I, I think I think part of it is just how much there was going on in the open world and how every single thing is notified by an icon, so my brain is telling me to complete it, even if I'm not having a fun time with it. Yeah. As noted by my 100% platinum on it. 
not the new game plus stuff obviously the new game plus trophies that they added don't actually count for the base game right um i will still be playing the dlc for this game i still i whenever i said i hated it i think i was just mostly in a place of just being bitter about how the game kind of turned out yeah like i still love the narrative of it even if i don't particularly like the direction that it's even going. if it got weird and emily loves the game series yeah um, so i can't just like not play it anymore <laughs> Yeah, no, and I, I think that's <laughs> that's one of those things, too, where it's weird how, in the end, getting the platinum for you seemed like a chore, wherein everybody was singing the game's praises when it came out, including myself, because it's a, it's a very fair platinum, too. Like, you yeah. don't have to... It, it isn't one of those where it's like, clear all the bases. It's like, clear five bases or yeah. whatever. You know, sample everything. You don't have to 100% it. But when you're dealing with that much game and a, yeah. a, a map that is, weirdly enough, bloated because, yeah. like, for me at least, when you shrink down the map to like just the things that you can do most of it's just filler like it's mm -hmm. it's it's large for the sake of large it's not large in a way that works and i remember getting to the san francisco portion and finally i'm in like actual ruins again Actually, mm -hmm. like the cityscapes that really were draw uh, jaw droppers in the first game. And when I got there, I was like, well, where has this been? Mm -hmm. It's just a bunch of weird forests. <laughs> yeah. San Francisco is easily the coolest part. But by the time you get to it, since it's like you're supposed to be in the mid 20s, you're supposed to be halfway through the game. By the time you get over there, mm. it's something that you want to be doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I said, overall, like it's fine if I end up playing it again because I like I I, I kind of complained to you about this. It's it's getting too sci-fi e for me. Yeah. To which you responded, it's always been sci-fi, and I was like, that's a good point, but it feels different now. It's getting too spacey. I think would be the yeah, correct way to put it. I, I think I think that's the exact way I'd put it, right? Because now we're spoiler alert for Forbidden West. If you care, um, we're going from it just being robot dinosaurs to being you have to unite the people of earth to fight a conglomeration of far zeniths like people that they exiled so to stop them from destroying the planet because they're angry at how the far zenith treated them yeah it's like which does tie into the original narrative because it's like oh the far zenith has already sent you know, has already sent out, or this uh, this world ender or whatever they called it, mm -hmm. sent out the signal to Hephaestus for it to start manufacturing the evil machines. Like it's the reason why Aloy had to start this journey in the yeah. beginning. Which canonically, like, it all fits just fine. Yeah, it just feels weird. Yeah, like Aloy fighting to try and restore Gaia to its original intent. Perfect, awesome, great, so cool. Then they add Far Zenith as like an antagonist group, and I'm just kind of like okay that's fine whatever they're probably only here for this game and then you get to the end and you realize you're still gonna have to deal with space shit and i'm just like okay i give up i don't care yeah it's I, it's... it's not that i don't care it's just i wish there was less space and it was more about like having more difficulties to get these various pieces of gaia's to restore to her mainframe 
as opposed to just having to up the stakes. Right. right. And they were in a very unenviable position writing this game because mm-hmm. there is there's a sense of wonderment in the first game. There's a sense of mystery where it's like you're trying to figure out WTF happened. Mm-hmm. And you're never going to be able to up the ante in the same way again unless you get weird with it. Yeah. And so they were in a position where they had to get weird with it, but then you begin asking yourself the question of, well, you don't realize where the line is until you cross it type Mm -mm. thing. And to me, I agree with you, it, it got to be a bit much. I'm as excited as anybody for the third game Um, but to me, it, from a narrative perspective, it didn't capture the lightning in the bottle of the original. No. Um, and it never was going to, right? Yeah. Like like you were saying, there was way too much going on with the first game about it being this new mysterious thing that like is going to mean it's impossible to catch that same lightning in a bottle. Right. Yeah. Because with this giant cataclysmic world-ending thing coming to Earth, now what, right? Yeah. Like, now it's suddenly no longer fighting against the machines, it's fighting with the machines. And it's like, what's the new combat going to look like? It's going to be a very different game at its core, and I think it's just going to be kind of weird. Yeah. Or they'll end up learning from the parts of this that didn't work as well and end up doing really good things with it. it you know it this you know the things that are wrong with this one could end up being the thing that, like the harbinger of doom for the series or mm-hmm. it could be like the awkward middle point thing that you and i kind of both feel about assassin's creed brotherhood where like mm-hmm. in the Ezio trilogy most people celebrate brotherhood and maybe it was the best mechanically but they took what was wrong with Assassin's Creed 2 and improved on it, but then they improved on it again at Revelations. But there are also plenty of trilogies. Like you think of the original Spider Man movie trilogy, the first one was what it was, the second one was this thing, and then they were like, oh yeah, more of this. And then we got the guy from that 70s show as Venom. (laughs) And, you know, so. It'll be really interesting to see where they go because they are still in the process of establishing this IP. However, an IP that is super duper well established already is that of the Pokemon series. God, I am good at this. (laughs) (laughs) And you there's been some hullabaloo around the new Pokemon that have come out. Mm -hmm. And I, I need you to talk to me about it because you have, I believe, rolled credits. Yes, that is correct. So, I know... Sorry. I started falling. So... (laughs) Yeah, I started falling out of my chair randomly because I have a lot to talk about Pokemon, too. So, first and foremost, the performance issues are true, right? There are bugs, there are glitches, there are crashes, there are frame drops, the whole nine yards. Mm. That is the thing that is happening, and it's very... It's very not okay it was shipped out in a state like this to meet the holiday. That being said, dude, this game's fun as shit. Like, I'm just having a ball. Because, like, I'm just like, 
I, I know that whenever I was talking to you about Horizon, whenever I had just finished it, I was like, I think I'm tired of open world games. Yeah. And then after playing this, that is why I changed my discussion today to be less about talking about how much I dislike the open world and more about how much I disliked its combat. Because I played a lot, I've played a lot of Scarlet and Violet and the open world has felt fine. Mm. It's really large for a Pokemon game, but it's not overwhelming like a lot of the other open world games are. Yeah. I'm able to just kind of like walk around, look at new Pokemon, go, that Pokemon's cool. The story was good for once, like a really, really good narrative since Gen 5. Uh, just a very delightful story. Uh, all a lot of the new Pokemon designs are top notch. The frame rate's awful, right? Like I was I was playing last night and it started to make me sick at one point. There's this large lake, and if you look at to the entire lake, your frames start to drop like drastically. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those scenarios where it's like underneath the performance issues and the bugs, there's a really good game there. You can fix performance issues and bugs if you're given the time and the budget. You can't fix a bad game. Mm. So I'm optimistic that they'll release a patch or two that will help these frame issues because that's really my biggest issue with the game. I've rolled credits uh, throughout my playing. Uh, they've made shiny hunting exceptionally easy. I have already gotten like 12 shiny Pokemon or no, 13 shiny Pokemon since the game has come out. I have found like four organically and then I have hunted for seven or so. Okay. Um, but yeah. What questions do you got for me about Pokemon? I I would love to talk about it. See, I don't I don't have anything that I directly want to talk about with Pokemon outside of how much I love it because of how much fun I was having with it. So if yeah. there's any direct questions that you have about it, you know, I I don't I don't know enough to be able to ask much truthfully. That makes um, sense. I guess most of my questions you've already answered in in the realm of how did the performance issues affect your enjoyment of the game, which it seems not a ton, which speaks not really well ton. to the game. Yeah. I, I noticed it in the beginning, and there's like a cutscene that's made its rounds on the internet where the trainer, there's like trainers sitting in a classroom where they're moving at five frames a second while your character, your player character is moving at a solid 30, like the normal frame rate, and everybody mm. else is moving at five frames for no reason. Um. The UI in particular has gotten really, really sluggish in this game, and mm. I don't know why. The UI in Sword and Shield was perfect. It's almost, it's weird because it's like they're rendering the entire UI. It, it's all the time. Yeah. And it's almost rendering the entire, like, game surroundings at the same time, and they're not despawning things when they're out of range of your camera. And it's really strange, and I think that's part of the performance issues. Do you think that uh, there's anything about the game that's too advanced for the Switch? Because considering it's so cartoony, you wouldn't think that, but it, graphics no. aren't everything. There's a lot under the hood, you know? I I think... Oh, I think whatever you think. The, the, the one thing that differentiates... There's, uh, like, one thing that differentiates this game from Breath of the Wild, right? Which is the Boobs. big comparison. Because All obviously. over the place. Just... The Breath of the Wild didn't have as many constantly spawning things happening around you. Okay. Like Breath sense. of the Wild, whenever you got to an area, the enemies were already spawned. Mm -hmm. Whereas Pokemon, they kind of spawn around you and spawn ahead of you and behind you. And so in, in traditional Pokemon games, whenever you go to a route... 
that route, depending on your version of the game, has a chance to spawn a Pokemon whenever you walk in the tall grass. Okay. Right. In this game, I think what is happening, because of my experiences in co-op, is that whenever you go to an area that can spawn Pokemon, the game checks your character's ID to see what batch of Pokemon can be spawned from. So there are still version exclusives between Scarlet and Violet, but if I'm pl- if Emily and I are playing in a co-op game together and we walk to an area that has an exclusive Pokemon and the one that Emily is playing, I'm able to catch it in that area. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. I think that they're also loading in, they're not deloading a lot of like the trees and stuff, so that makes it a little bit awkward. I think that they're, um, what was the other big one? I think they're loading all of the UI at all times, which makes it really sluggish and really frustrating to use. Mm. Uh, one of my biggest complaints is that how much they changed the boxes. It used to be that you can select a Pokemon and then go to the full box view and then just drop it directly into a box. You can't do that anymore. You have to like press L and R to move through all of your boxes manually, get to the box that you want, and then drop them in there, which is frustrating. All right. There's a lot of things that are going on, and I've already seen one person who has made a 60 FPS mod yeah. for Pokemon for, like, Yuzu emulation. Mm. And looking at it, I'm like, wow, I wish I could play this. And then I realized that I can because I have a Switch that I have homebrewed right. that I just use to dump my own legal cartridges of the games that I own. And I can play Pokemon Scarlet and or Violet at 60 frames a second whenever that mod becomes publicly available Mm. and you bet your bottom dollar that i will perfect so it's that such a fun game such a fun game finished god of war on my end and i had a dual pronged strategy okay okay to how i was going to play my next games so typically i have I've gotten to the point now where I just about have three games, if not four, running at a time. Okay, there, yeah. there are four categories that a game can fall into. Okay, the mm-hmm. game I am playing for me, the game that I am playing for Nia, mm-hmm. the game that Nia is playing for me, and the game that I am playing with Nia. As in both of us holding controllers. Yeah. So my dual prong strategy is this. I'm going to pick up that Sonic Frontiers. And I'm going to pick up that God of War Ragnarok. So I'm going to start with Sonic Frontiers. I'm going to end with God of War Ragnarok. Then I've got a couple of things in, in the middle here. So I proudly played Sonic Frontiers for about 30 minutes. Oh, no. Now, that... not, I, not bad per se, I guess. Um, notice my enthusiasm. Yeah. But here's the thing. To me... The very fundamental gameplay loop of this game is flawed. It inherently does not work. 
because Sonic is about three words at its core. What are those three words, Raven? Gotta go fast. Gotta go fast, right? For one, fast isn't that fast. Okay, so there's okay. there's there's that. It is, it does feel kind of weird and slow, even on the sped up mode at times. But my issue is the way that the gameplay loop is set up. You have these little portals that you like go through, and you unlock uh -oh. them with like stars or whatever. And when you go through the portals, it takes you into a traditional 3D Sonic course, straight line. Mm -hmm. And all that, that's fine. You know, it's, it's, it's modern 3D Sonic. It's, it's what we're used to, to an extent. And then you have these, I would say, Mario Odyssey-esque world things that you're, you're in between here. Where the reason I bring up Odyssey specifically, as opposed to something like A Breath of the Wild, is that it's not fully open world. It is, it is linear in that there is kind of a method that they want you to go through it, but there's a lot of opportunities to stop and smell the roses. Mm -hmm. And it feels like you're running, and then you got to, like, stop and go off to the left and, like, ride this rail and, like, jump off of this stuff. And then you come back and you continue running again. And then about five seconds later, you get to something else that, you, oh, well, I'm going to stop and like traverse and jump, you know, off of these, you know, pinball looking bumpers to go up to the top of this house or whatever to get my special coin. And mm -hmm. then you're in combat and the com the combat is like, what, what is this? Why is this here? Yeah. And it, there's probably a lot of moves that you can do to like optimize that at a better level. But fundamentally it's like, Why what, what is any of this? Yeah. And so that was what I felt fundamentally didn't work for me because Sonic is go, 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 go. And it's, Acting like it wants you to go, 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 but then it's like, go, 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 stop, look at this over here, go, 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 stop, look at this over here, go, 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 combat encounter. And to me, it feels like, I, I assume that there is a way to evolve what Sonic is in a way that makes sense, but I feel as though this wasn't it. And literally your minute to minute, sometimes 30 second to 30 second intervals of gameplay just felt incredibly disjointed to me. Like it, like I twitchingly, why am I doing this like this? Hmm. And so I deleted it. That's crazy. I, but, like, it makes sense, right? I've heard this Sonic game is the most divisive I've heard of a Sonic game being in a long time. Mm. Because most people, whenever a Sonic game comes out, they're like, oh, this one's bad. Like, it's just for the most part, this one's bad. But now, this Sonic game, for some people, is really, really good. For most other people, 
it's really really not yeah and so there's been a lot of conversations about it and honestly everything that you've said is super valid in the realm of sonic the hedgehog so but even for me like not as a sonic fan i wanted to play this one because I, i i'm not a fan of sonic right like i was like ooh, this is my opportunity to get into sonic and I did yeah. for about a yeah. half hour. Yeah. It, I I think that the Sonic curse is that the game was already $30 on Black Friday. Say la vie, right? Like, that's mm. just how it go. Yeah. Just how it be. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised by that at all. I... I am happy for the people who are excited about this game. I'm still probably going to end up picking it up for my PlayStation for like 20 or 30 bucks or something. Or if you had a physical copy, I'll probably borrow it from you whenever I'm in Columbus next, just because I do want to play it. But it's not one of those things that I'm like actively like waiting and excited for. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I mean, that is completely, completely valid. Huh. That was, and the sad part is, no, I don't have a physical copy. No, I just I'll just steal your entire PlayStation Five. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so from there, I've been playing a a, a sh- kind of a shocking game for myself. Shocking oh. in that I could give you a hundred guesses and you probably wouldn't guess it. Not because it's not a game that would appeal to me, but simply because it's one of the most random games you could possibly think of. But I've okay. got a reason is it? for it. So I've been diving headfirst into Ghost Recon Wildlands. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? So sure. here's the thing. The game is, in many ways, kind of my sad white whale in that I picked it up originally, like originally, originally, oh, wow. when it came out. And I really, really liked it. It's kind of like everything that constitutes a Casey game. It's open world, it's checklisty, you get all the files, you kill the bosses in a given area, you move on. And I just it was one of it's one of those like Watchdogs 2 was with me for a little bit where I n- I've never gotten to the end of it, but yeah. I've always enjoyed it every time that I've played it. So I I I kind of want to get to the end of it before some of the big stuff next year happens. Mhm. Um, so yeah, Ghost Recon Wildlands, I just downloaded it because it's part of Ubisoft's thing that, uh, the, the yeah. Ubisoft Plus that is in my PlayStation subscription now. There you go. So I Easy. just, yeah, just downloaded it and, uh, I mean, it's fine. It's a perfectly inoffensive, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a game, you know, it's. It, mm. it takes, you know, because I was really into Far Cry 6 for a bit, but I, I ended up deciding that that game was just a little bit too big for me, which, again, it was one of those things where when you narrow it down to all of the stuff to actually do, it's not that big. There's just a lot of bloat to it. Yeah. It literally bloat to the map, like just elongating of roads that don't need to be elongated. And this game isn't that. Everything is pretty tightly packed together. And it's just perfectly inoffensive. Also, it took out the other thing that I didn't like from Far Cry, which is just not a big fan of the first-person perspective these days. Um, mm-hmm. And 
and this is third person. So I'm like, yeah, let's go. I oh. also like having the team with me that helps me fight. Mm-hmm. You can, the sink shot is one of my favorite things in the world. Where I don't know if you remember this feature from this nearly ten year old game, but uh, <laughs> you can mark enemies and like you can mark up to three enemies and the other three nameless, faceless. Well, not faceless. They've got faces, but the other three just generic soldiers that are in your party. You can synchronize a shot so you can like take down up to four enemies at once just the way that they would like in actual combat. Mm-hmm. And like that to me is fun to play with because it changes the way that you go at encounters rather than just something like a, the, a division, for instance, where you're just going to shoot your way out of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I have fun with that. Um, Nia and I have been doing a heck of a lot of Lego Skywalker saga. And let me tell you what, man, you always worry when you have a formula, the way that Lego games have had a formula, which some would argue is just about the perfect formula. It's hard to argue with the success that that formula has had. You know, mm-hmm. they've released the same game since about 2005. <laughs> and people keep buying it. People keep playing it. People keep having a lot of fun with it. And this was the first time they're like, we're going to change it. And when I tell so you this, this change has been so successful. I am such a fan of this game. It's It has retained... Everything that, like, made the Lego games fun to begin with while bringing in other elements in open world activities and hopping between planets and ship combat in space. And overall, it's... It's a really, really nice iteration on the formula. And I think Nia and I are going to 100% it. Exciting. I I still think that it's so weird that they're just like, yeah, we have voice acting, gal. Yeah, but well, I don't know. I've gotten used to that because that's been a while. Yeah. I, I mean, I have, that shows how long it's been since I've played a Lego game, right? But but having a new formula is always good, especially for such a long-standing franchise. And to hear that it's working well is, you know, a nice relief for one that is so near and dear to my childhood. You know, I've never seen a Star Wars movie, but I have played Same. <laughs> the original Star Wars Lego games. And here's another thing that's, like, really cool is that you probably didn't even know this part, but there is, in the cheat section, of course, there's always a cheat section. And one of the things that you can unlock from the jump, you don't have to pay any studs for it, you don't have to do anything, is what they call mumble mode, which removes the voice acting. Nice. And everything is, you can turn on the, you know, if you're one of those people that is like, oh, the voice acting ruined the Lego games, which is a facsimile of what you just said, but not nearly as harsh. Um, Right. You can take it back to what you remember you can take it back to what you think it should be and it's still a perfectly holistic experience for you i think that that is super cool yeah that's really nice because there is like a nice little nod and an homage you know it's like yeah you get the ability to go back and do that that's cool i like that 
I like that. Good, good on you, Nintendo. Or not Nintendo. Lego people. And then good finally, on. God of War Ragnarok I've been playing. I haven't gotten to play like a ridiculous amount of it because it requires Nia to be with me and in the mood for the game. Uh-huh. Um, but I would say I'm probably a solid eighth of the way through the game. Um, okay. And I said earlier that I felt as though when I was going through the original God of War, that now I'm no longer blaming myself for the difficulty that I chose. And the reason for that, Raven, is this. There are many people that feel that the original God of War in 2018, which is not the original God of War, and I shouldn't have used yeah. that word, but God of War 2018, the relaunch, is video game perfection. Mm. And I cannot bring myself to agree with that considering how holistically this improves on it in every way. Oh, wow. And it's funny because when you get into issues that you have with the original God of War, I need to stop saying original, but it might happen again. The reboot. Yeah. When, when when you get into, well, these are the issues I had with 2018, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to sound nitpicky. And the reason that it's going to sound nitpicky is because there aren't any big glaring issues with that game. It's, it, it's, yeah. it's an absolute master class. But if you think about your nitpicks with that game, like, you know what? When I was on an easier difficulty, just going through it the second time, I didn't have as good of a time with mm. it. And I just wish that this already fantastic combat was structured a little bit differently in such a way that people on easier difficulties can feel more into it like they're not just doing the same thing over and over again done if you're saying well you know the menu system was just I don't know what it was about it but it was a little bit confusing and the upgrade system was a little bit weird and bloated and it felt like there was a little bit too much going on there mm -hmm. fixed if you're gonna say well, you know, I really enjoyed these characters like Brock and Sindri and Mimir the Talking Head, but I wish, you know, the, the game was so focused on Kratos and Atreus. I wish we had had the opportunity to dive into those characters deeply just a little bit more. Done. Every little nitpicky thing that I had with the original game is now polished away. It is... I mean, it, it performs beautifully. 
a lot of my issues with Atreus have been fixed. There's there's actual stakes. Um, and this is not a a, a, a spoiler in, in any way, but it's no secret that like your first introductory boss fight is with Thor. I mean, they yeah. they put that on Twitter. They they put that at the end of the first of the reboot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you go through the sleeping sequence and it's like Atreus. Yeah. Come to me. And then fucking Thor just standing outside. Right. Well, when I tell you that I think this is the best adaptation of the character of Thor that I've ever seen. And like I'm an MCU nerd. Mm-hmm. Like and I love this version of Thor. And I want to see like this version of Thor have his own game where you play as Thor because the boss fight was just that imaginative and good. And you get to see what a man can really do with a hammer. Mm -hmm. And that's big words coming from somebody raised in the Midwest. (laughs) Um, To a, a few of the characters that get in there that you talk to that you're like, oh my God, they have this mainstream actor playing this guy. Um, so far I've not found anything wrong really with this game. Um, the one complaint I've heard about this game is just how much everybody talks. Um, I haven't really, I'm an exposition guy, so it didn't really like, it hasn't gotten to me. Also in the Mm -hmm. accessibility settings, you can set how, like, there's a setting where you can go in and say, no, I want them to like wait a while before they start suggesting things. And I immediately did that. So maybe that, you know, bleeds into my story a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, like, even when you get to, you know, those, um, those puzzles that essentially are like the three bells you have to ring with the three runes on them to like yeah. unlock. Like, I always, by the end of God of War, I was getting a little bit frustrated with those because some mm-hmm. of those, it just didn't feel like you had enough time. Well, yeah. now they're not time. Well, they nice. they structured them in a different way where the actual thing is finding them and getting to them and actually ringing them as opposed to racing finding yourself. Finding them, ringing them, running to the, like learning the location yeah. of all three. And I mean, the whole thing is as polished as a cue ball. It really is. Um, And I yeah, I love this game. I'm so excited to play it. I, I cannot wait. I got my copy yesterday or the day before. Uh, no, yesterday. Yesterday we got our copy. And I'm just, I just wanted to wait until after Pokemon was done with Emily and I. And we just were like, yeah, that was an experience. And now I'm ready to play what is going to probably be, you know, my favorite game of the year by like a landslide. Potentially one of your favorite games of all time at, the, at this it point. Might. But yeah. he, here's what I'm going to say to you. All right. And I, I would not dare to give you a spoiler, right? But I'm going to tell you this now. Sit down and fire up the game with tissues. 
Okay. Um, I am considering starting a support group for those who have been terrorized by the first 20 minutes of this game. Okay. The first 20 minutes of this game. And the thing is, it's, it's needless. There's no reason. There is no reason whatsoever. As a matter of fact, I'm hoping it ties into the story later. Because there is no reason that this game should have done this to us immediately. Where do they get off making us sad playing their game? I can't fight Thor through my tears. Oh my god, Reed. Wet. Mm. Mm. So, <laughs> so the game awards are next week. I'm about to say, we we have spent a full 40 minutes talking about the games that we've been playing over the past month, and now we're going to spend the next hour and 40 minutes <laughs> talking about the Game Awards. Hopefully not. Um, either way, um, next week is the Game Awards. They are going to be on next Thursday, which it occurs to me that we're going to have to figure something out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> dang it, dude. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh, I hate it. I hate it here. Um, it's okay. We saw it coming this time. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> so the Game Awards 2022 does take place next Thursday, and we are doing our yearly tradition of predicting the winners and running down our thoughts on all of the nominees. Uh, as I'm reading this Wikipedia article here, because <laughs> I do my research. Um, I did notice it says Jeff Keeley says he's wanted the show to be the most cinematic and is aiming for a much shorter duration than previous years, saying it's only going to be around two and a half hours. And oh, wow. whatever listener, whatever God you pray to, thank them. Kratos. For, <laughs> yeah, Thor. Um. You know, the funny thing is my dog, Thor, is probably on the other side of the door, very confused right now. Um, <laughs> it's like, I am here, father. I am here, dad. What's going on? I don't know why your dog sounds like Eeyore to me. but <laughs> um, So this year, realistically, all right, and Raven and I were talking about this just before we, we started recording. It's a three-game race, really. And that's reflected in the number of nominations per game. God of War Ragnarok comes in with ten nominations, which is the most. And then right behind it with seven nominations apiece are Elden Ring and Horizon Forbidden West. Following that, six for Stray and five for A Plague Tale Requiem. Sony Interactive Entertainment far and away exceeds anything else with 20 nominations to its name. Interestingly enough, Xbox Game Studios, two nominations, not two. been a great year. <laughs> it's not been a great year for the past decade. <laughs> Notice how we'll see about Halo Infinite is not... Uh, wait, no, that game came out last year. Never mind. Yeah, so, and that, you know, that went well. That no, it didn't. I think it went the opposite of well, in fact. That went. <laughs> so right. I think we should just skip content creators uh this year. Content creators, esports stuff. 
notably, they have the exact five same esport best esports games. Mm. Like, yeah, they're going to say that the League World Championships won. They're going to say that League is the best esports game of the year. Probably, yes. Like, I do. I do want to give a shout out though to content creator of the year. Oh yeah, because I think it's awesome that Nibble is nominated. And here's here's my head cannon for this. All right, because this would be the most beautiful thing. What if? Because right, the the chapter on Nibble is closed. He has left Twitter. He has left Patreon. We haven't heard uh-huh. a word from him in a month, almost to the day. They unfold the envelope, and the content creator of the year goes to Nibelian. Where is he? Spotlights around the room. And then, stepping onto the stage for the first time ever, we get to see Nibble. It's mm-hmm. Hideo Kojima. Has been the whole time. <laughs> oh my god that's just what i want uh, uh if, if it ends up being hideo kojima i would laugh i would i will give you a hundred dollars if it's hideo kojima oh my god that would be so cool anyway though moving on to the i hate to see the real categories but it the the categories that matter to us the first one is best adaptation. Now, granted, I haven't really seen any of these. Same. <laughs> um, but I've heard I, a lot about two of them. One thing that I will say is I'm really happy, like really happy that we are to a point in gaming where we can realistically create this category and hopefully have it be a thing into the future. Like there were questions for a long time of if video games could ever be made into anything viable and we're starting to see that it's not always going to be perfect but that there are ways to do it and as a result my pick for this is probably cyberpunk edge runners i've heard a lot of really good things about it so i'm gonna say it's gonna win same i i think edge runners has the ed- the edge here <laughs> pun intended just because of how rocky uh 2077's launch was and how yeah. much of a 80 some people did because of this show i haven't heard a lot about the cuphead show i haven't heard anything about the uncharted film uh, it was fine i heard a little bit about sonic the hedgehog 2 being okay so i i my money is also on edge runners for this one this feels like one of those where they created this for edge runners like a few years ago they created the accessibility one basically so that they could give Last of Us Part 2 a commendation for how well it did with accessibility. This almost feels like that for Ed Runners. Yeah. But maybe that's just me being unplugged. Now, for me, the most anticipated game is one that I find very interesting because I think it shows if all if just all five of these games hit next year and are actually good, 2023 stands to be a legendary year in gaming just based off of that. Yeah. Uh, We've got Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Starfield, Resident Evil 4, Hogwarts Legacy, and Final Fantasy 16. To me and to you both, I don't see any way Zelda doesn't win this. If there was going to be an outside shot, I would say maybe Starfield. But considering the somewhat tepid response earlier this year to uh, its 
big official reveal. I would say probably Zelda. And ironically, yeah. I would say maybe we find out more about Zelda also at this show. That that's non there's a non-zero chance of that happening. I think I think Zelda here is like far and away the the most anticipated game of the yeah. last like five years. Like even more so than Elden Ring, I think. Um I have a friend who she has not done anything these past the only games that she plays are Harvest Sims and breath of the wild mm. she's currently on her fifth playthrough of it in the past six months mm. and i'm like i don't know how you manage this she's like i just want to play the new one i just want to play the new one and yeah. i'm like okay dude you you go you go you know it's um, funny though when you look at these five nominees this is like each one of these five games are the biggest thing in your world if you belong to a very specific subset of people <laughs> Like they're also like, like my buddy I'm really Noah excited about Final Fantasy 16, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's just like there's something here for everybody, and I think that's really cool. Like my buddy Noah is going to live and die by the Resident Evil 4 reboot. Um, we watched the uh, official gameplay reveal Nia and I did for Hogwarts Legacy the other day, and she is like, she was like getting angry watching it because she had to wait. Yep. Um, Starfield yeah, for the Bethesda freaks is like, you know, that's going to be everything to them. One of the most talked about games coming up of the last decade. Final Fantasy people are always going to be in Final Fantasy. But again, with you, I feel the most broad reach is the follow up to one of the greatest games ever made. The greatest game of ever made if you belong to IGN. Breath of the Wild. The follow up yeah. to that is just gargantuan. Mm -hmm. So, best debut indie game. Now, this is very difficult because there are several of these games that are also nominated for the best independent game. For me, I'm making a political decision to give this one to Tunic. Okay. Interesting choice. Um, I am hoping, praying that it's Neon White. Very well could uh, be. Neon White's a cool looking game. I am a three-way tie. I'm a, I, honestly, all five of these could do. I don't know much about Norco, but the other four I could see winning. Vampire Survivors alone at the Golden Joysticks this year, one breakthrough. Yeah. Uh, Vampire Survivors is a game I'm very excited to check out. It seems like something I really want to do. Um, so I didn't realize it was a new game. I thought it was a game that's been out for a while, but it's a very recent thing. Yeah. So yeah, any any of these games I could see winning. Um, I think Stray has better chances up a little bit more. Yep. Um, yep. I see Neon White taking it though. Okay. But Tunic is also phenomenal from what I understand. So realistically, I think this is just a, this is a good category. And I also think that Tunic came along at the right time when people were, like, getting really, really, really interested in the unnamed at the time Breath of the Wild sequel. And yep. Tunic is like, oh, you want some, you want some Zelda? Here, here's a, here's a, here's a Zelda here's box. Here's a little fox and a tunic, <laughs> Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely. 
I definitely think that's advantageous for it. Mm-hmm. Um, the best multiplayer game, I guess Overwatch 2? I don't know. Overwatch 2 is bad. Yeah, I don't A know. lot of people are very upset about Overwatch 2. So so what do you think takes it? Because I'm not plugged in. <laughs> I could. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna save us the 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 uh, liberty of um, being able to complain about Overwatch Two, but Overwatch Two and Modern Warfare Two both have a slew of issues. Apparently, Modern Warfare Two is the most boring Call of Duty in a while, from what I've been reading, mm. and it's just like not fun. I think it's probably gonna be either Multiverses or Splatoon Three, which feels weird that that's your multiplayer game of the year. There's a um, lot of categories like that where it's like, yeah. man, these are our options. Yeah, I think if it does go to anybody, it probably goes to Splatoon 3. And then they give Multiverse's best fighting game, but we'll get to that. I, I, I have, it could go 50-50 between Splatoon 3 and Multiverse's for me. I think Overwatch 2 and Modern Warfare 2 both have too much negative around them right now to really have a good contention. And uh, Shredder's Revenge, while probably a good game, is probably not contention for best multiplayer. But it might be. Best sim strategy game. I could not have less of an opinion. Uh, it's probably going to be Victoria 3. Okay. It, it's probably going to be Victoria 3. Okay. Sports and racing. Yeah. <laughs> so sports and racing is another one where it's like, man, this has not been that crazy of a year. Um, so it's F1 22, uh, FIFA 23, NBA 2K 23, Gran Turismo 7, or Ollie Ollie World. And I think of all of those games, Ollie Ollie World is going to get it. And I would love to tell you why. Please do. So Gran Turismo 7 was a disaster, obviously. Um, all of the controversy surrounding that game when it came out. And it being a fine game, but having all of the microtransaction issues and all of that stuff, I think, means it's not going to win. Then I look at F1 22, FIFA 23, NBA 2K 23, and I think about something that I was actually, when you joined the call, Raven, I was in the process of looking this up. You want to know a fun fact about this category, Raven? Please. A traditional sports game has never won this category. Ever. <laughs> Ever. That's funny. Well, last right. year was Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake. Um, I believe, I believe. no, that was, was the year before. Game? That was the year before. Last year okay. was Forza Horizon 5. The year before yeah. that was Tony Hawk. Um, Bye. 2019 as I'm uh, running through, that was Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled. 2018 was Forza Horizon 4. 2017, when we got to this particular category, let's see here, was Forza Motorsport 7. Yeah. 2016, now keep in mind, traditional sports games have been nominated each time, right? <laughs> And uh, 2016 was Forza Horizon 3. <laughs> 2015, Rocket League. 
and 2014, the first year of the Game Awards, um, it was Mario Kart 8. Um, but even, like, as you go back to the Spike Video Game Awards, which this kind of, like, dovetailed out of, there were two different categories there. So there was a best team sports game category. And then there was a best driving game category. Okay. So as far as this category, a traditional sports game has never won. So considering the great reaction to Ali Ali World when it came out, that's the one that I'm going with here. Sure. That sounds reasonable to me. I was saying GT7 just because I haven't heard anything about Ali Ali World, but hey, it, it, more more smaller development games deserve the spotlight. Yeah, absolutely. And Ali Ali World is, from everything that I have heard, just absolutely um, tremendous. So let's see here. It's Metacritic. Um, is that like an eighty-seven on Metacritic? So that's really good. Yeah. Um, the best family game, which used to be called basically, the, well, it used to be nicknamed the Nintendo. Yeah. Um, but now it is not quite so much as two of these games aren't Nintendo games. Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker yeah. Saga, <laughs> and, um, well, Mario Rabbit. But it's made by Ubisoft, darn it. Mm-hmm. Where do you see this category going? Kirby. Easy Kirby. I, I do, too. I could see Lego Star Wars getting it, potentially. I could. I could see it. Um, I could see that. I, I think Kirby just has Kirby. Yeah. Uh, I think Splatoon 3 isn't a great family game. Like, it has a very dedicated fan base, but I don't think it's really a family game. Yeah. Nintendo Switch Sports uh, had, a, like, a fine reaction, but its online was miserable, and the Nintendo Switch Sports just, like, didn't work. Mm. Or, like, didn't have golf included until, like, this week, I think? Yeah, like, two days like ago. Yesterday. Um, so it's, like, fine. But, and then Mario Rabbids, again, probably not really a family game. I would I would consider it more of a family game than Splatoon three, but not by much. Yeah. So I, I I am leaning towards Kirby. It's just a fun, a lot of whole wholesome family content. Yeah. To run around and play. Best fighting game. Yeah. DNF duel, multiverses, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, All Star Battle R. The King of Fighters fifteen or Sifu, which is interesting because I don't really consider Sifu a fighting game. But. Most people don't, but that's how down bad people are for fighting games this year, I think is what the consensus <laughs> yeah. is um, Honestly, the more I think about it, the more uncertain I am about this. Yeah. I had down a pretty confident multiverses, um, but also KOF is always really, really popular, specifically in Latin America. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like their big game. Like, you know, the state's big game is like um, Mortal Kombat. Japan's big game is Street Fighter, mm. right? Like Latam's big game is KOF. And I could have butchered some of those and I apologize if I did, but that's what I remember and my memory can be bad. Mm. Um, the big problem, the reason I don't want to give Multiverses fighting game of the year is because everybody that I knew that was really excited about it uh, no longer plays it. Right. Um, 
I couldn't tell you the last five characters I added to Multiverses. Like, I haven't been keeping up since they added Rick from Rick and Morty, like, two months ago or something. Yeah. Um... But also, you know, so I'm going to look up their current active player count. Currently playing multiverses. um, I don't trust that website. I need to go to the Steam active player count. Steam charts. Here we go. Um, Active playing as of four minutes ago is just over 1,600 Mm. players. Um, They have just... Hem- they're just hemorrhaging active players, right? July, 66,000 players. Phenomenal. They lost 25,000 in August. They lost 32,000 in September. 5,000 in October. In the last 30 days, they've lost another 1,000. They're down to just over 2,000 average players for the past for the past month. Their peak for the last 30 days has been 4,709. Um, meanwhile, if you look at King, and it's like one of the things like, oh, obviously, you know, if like... If it's like a single player game, that's one thing. If you're looking at a fighting game being game of the year, it has to have a retention to it. Yeah. Uh, so if we look up King of Fighters 15, on the other hand, um, they're going to have probably not much more than that. Yeah, okay, never mind. They have a lot less than that. They have 280 playing as of five minutes ago, but FGC also is pretty big on consoles. Right. Uh, and then I want to look up DNF Duel. I, I'm taking up a lot of time here. Uh, DNF Duel has 40 active players. Okay, Multiverses has the most out of the three. Okay, maybe I'm full of shit. But they have been hemorrhaging players, and the other two games are older than they are, so who knows? Yeah. I think uh, it's... I don't know. For me, when I when I look at this, I think to myself two things. I think, number one, Raven is almost certainly right about this. And then I think... But I just don't think any of that is going to matter. I think when yep. you look at the people who are, and we've seen this before with this category, right? These aren't fighting game people necessarily that are voting on this category. It's a lot, or voting in general. It's a lot of traditional games media. And I think they're going to see like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and then see that there are words after that. And then they're going to be like, what in the world? And then I think it'll come down to multiverses or Sifu, honestly. And Mm. I could see it going to either one of them just because of the name recognition of those two in traditional media. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think think multiverses probably has it. I could see it going to KOF. I didn't realize just how dead DNF was at this point. Best RPG... Now, here's the question that we have to ask ourselves, because it all folds in together. Mm. Is this going to go to a traditional RPG, or is this going to be where Elden Ring gets a couple of, uh, gets one, like, wins a consolation award because God of War ends up taking Game of the Year? I hope it doesn't happen like that. But there's, like, nowhere else they really put Elden Ring. Like, they put it in audio design, and they put it in best score. Um, and game direction. I mean, yeah. the there's a lot of places where it is, but there's also a lot of mouths to Honest, feed, too. As somebody who likes RPGs, 
I want you to know I looked at Live Alive, Legends Arceus, Triangle Strategy, and Xenoblade 3, and I was like, wow, there's actually like some good competition between a couple of these games. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Ring was there, and I was like, man. Yeah. Like, I think I think Xenoblade 3 has a really good chance of winning this. That's yeah. kind of, uh, that is, that's what I confidently put down as my answer. Also nominated Z- for Game of the Year. Yeah. Which I, this game has less of, Xenoblade 3 has less of a chance of winning than Elden Ring does. Mm. Uh, so uh, my my vote is for X uh, XC three. Yeah, I I've got a sick feeling that it's gonna go to Elden Ring, and so that's why. Yeah, I if it does, it, it does. Say lovey. Best action adventure game: Tunic, Stray, Horizon Forbidden West, God of War Ragnarok, and Plague Tale Requiem. This is where I think Horizon gets a flower. I think so as well. I I think. I don't think Horizon really won Game of the Year, but I do think that they won something. Yeah. It's it's a game that deserves to be recognized and yep. it's it's unfortunate because it with this particular series it's kind of an always the bridesmaid never the bride kind of scenario because yeah. it went up against Breath of the Wild the first time and God of War and Elden Ring the you know the two-headed dragon the second time. So mm-hmm. I think that this is where it gets that. And it, it's funny to me, too, how God of War always ends up hemorrhaging the the chances of another Sony Interactive Entertainment title. Because if you mm-hmm. remember, Spider-Man didn't win a gosh darn thing. <laughs> That's true. It did not. Because God of War won, like, almost literally everything, everything that year. It's crazy to think about, man. They won, like, almost everything. And then, like, I remember that Red Dead 2 came out of nowhere and started winning a bunch of awards. Yeah. And I was like, damn, this is a crime. And then they won Game of the Year. I'm like, oh, it's okay. I'm happy. Yeah. So. (laughs) I dropped a coin I was playing with. Please continue. Uh, So as as opposed to action adventure, what about just action? And Uh, this, I think this is Seafood. I think this is neon white. If if neon white doesn't win best debut indie game, I think this is where neon white wins because neon white's really good. <laughs> it's a really interesting and fun and unique idea um, that I think deserves to be mentioned somewhere. Sifu could win. That's totally fine. And uh, I think any any game here except Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, I think, could win and be, like, a good win for this category. Yeah. Um, I don't think Bayonetta 3 will just because of the controversy around it, which is a shame. Um, but, yeah, I could see Sifu or Neon White taking this pretty easily. I just meant, for me, with Sifu, I don't think it's going to win best indie game for reasons that we'll get to. And Sifu was so heavily regarded... It had such good reviews that I bought it. Yeah. Now, granted, after like 30 minutes, I was like, what is wrong with me? I knew this game wasn't for me and I still bought it. But that's Mm -hmm. like how much praise it was receiving. Okay. So like, considering I haven't heard as much of the discourse around neon white i think that sifu stands a large chance to win several awards 
That's sure. just a hunch. Sure. Totally fine. I just want Neon White to win. I still haven't played it. I almost bought it on the Steam holiday sale, and then I remember that I have a wedding to pay for in five months. Yo, so let me tell you what. <laughs> That's that could, we could start a whole new podcast. <laughs> oh my god. Uh yeah, because we're talk getting... bar guy tomorrow and talk about how much money we give him for uh for bar. Mm. Yeah. We're just not even we're not even having alcohol. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. We're it's not, expensive. We're not paying for like the licenses and all of that crap. Screw that. We're, <sighs> we're looking at we're looking at two grand for it. It's not awful, mm. but well we'll see there. Anyway, innovation and accessibility. <laughs> yeah. Um, as dust falls, God of War Ragnarok return to monkey Island, the last of us part one and the quarry. Um, I think that this is going to go to the last of us part one. And I think that for several reasons, um, number one, it occurs to me that this is like the only, the only nomination that last of us part one got. And oh, yeah. if there's one thing that games media loves to do, it's uh, they love to give the last of us awards. Um, sure. And not only that, as we were talking about, the accessibility category was basically created originally as a tribute to Naughty Dog and the accessibility work that they did in Last of Us Part 2. And Last of Us Part 1 is largely just the last of us, but with the added boon of things like those groundbreaking accessibility mm -hmm. um, ideas and innovations. And while I still think that there's no reason for the last of us part one to exist nearly <laughs> um, the one like really, really good argument I have heard from for its existence is um from Steven Spawn at Able Gamers who said, Well, you know what? Screw you. This game needs to exist because I couldn't play one of the greatest games ever made, and now I can. Boy, not something I had considered. Because of how just how old it was, right? Yeah. So um, for me, that's I, why it gets the nod. Totally. Uh, I was considering Ragnarok just because I've heard that Ragnarok has a lot, a lot, a lot of accessibility settings. Yeah. Like, I heard a quote where somebody said, God of War has an accessibility setting for every option except how much the characters will talk whenever I walk away from my objective. Mm. Um, so that's the only reason I have that award out. But I could see Last of Us Part 1. Best VR or AR game? Man, I don't know. I, um, maybe Logan. like Among Us VR because it's the biggest name. Amogus. Yeah. Amogus. Community support. Yeah, I don't know anything. Uh, <laughs> Apex <laughs> Legends, Destiny 2, The Witch Queen, Final Fantasy, Fortnite, No Man's Sky. I don't know, man. I don't know. Um... Final Fantasy 14 won last year, is that correct? I don't know. <laughs> I'm between 14 and No Man's Sky. One of those two. Okay, let's see which one won last year. Yeah, 14 did win. 
Is it? It's the same five. <laughs> oh, that's funny. This year it's uh, Apex, Destiny 2, The Witch Queen, Final Fantasy 14, Fortnite, No Man's Sky. <laughs> Last year uh, it was Final Fantasy 14, Apex, Fortnite, No Man's Sky, and Destiny 2 Beyond Light. <laughs> oh, that's a different game though. It has a different sub it was a different expansion. I wonder what it was no, the year I, before that. If it was 14 the same or time, No Man's I'm Sky, gonna... one of the two. Let's see. I think that was my choice last year as well, and it will continue to be my choice until they put a new option in here. Best community Ooh, support for 2020, <laughs> almost the same five. Um, yeah. Actually, there were six, it appears, but Destiny 2, Apex Legends, Fortnite, No Man's Sky, all in there along with Valorant and the winner that year, Fall Guys. Mm, um, yeah, that's a good point. God, yeah, same five. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. That's... Um, so in that case, I'm gonna say No Man's Sky. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go No Man's Sky. <laughs> All right, best mobile game: Apex Mobile, Diablo Immortal, Genshin Impact, Marvel Snap, or Tower of Fantasy. This I is my... one situation where I think recency bias is going to play out alongside the strength of the IP, and I think Marvel Snap wins. Yeah, I've heard such good things about Marvel Snap. I am sobered out on the IP. I don't want to play it, but I've heard it's a really good, fair, and interesting card game. Yeah, I, I mean, people are like people who don't play card games are like obsessed. Yeah, so I, I watched the Magic guy for a bit, who would average you know eleven to twelve hundred people watching him play Magic, which was good. And he's been playing consistently Marvel Snap and been getting two K plus viewers like yeah. every day. It's just just the sheer amount of people who are in love with this game is good. Uh, I love that they put Di Diablo Immortal up here like yeah. it ever had a fucking shot. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Um, tell us how you feel, yeah. man. What? Tell us how me. Tell us how you feel, man. Did is you there... not? I mean, l listen. You know <laughs> the whole thing about Diablo Immortal, like yeah, how I it do. just like win out of the gate and it's the whole recency leading up it's like oh you all have phones like that whole thing like, it was just it was doomed from the start yeah no it certainly was but that doesn't make what you said any less awesome uh, <laughs> uh best independent game cult of the lamb neon white sifu stray tunic i think this goes to stray yeah i agree the stray is what i had as well um i will say i do want to make a massive shout outs all of these games have been met with like a lot of praise. A lot of love. I love that we're love. in a really good area of independent titles where it's like you can buy an indie game and just have a lot of fun and just like enjoy it for what it is. Like it'd be really good. Um, mm -hmm. So I love, I love all of the games in this category. I have played one of them. I have wanted to play the other four. Yeah. And I would or, also I say. Play Stray. I watched somebody play Stray. It was still good. I, I would say don't count out Cult of the Lamb. Nope. Because um, I'm I'm on its page right now and it swept everything that it was nominated for, including Game of the Year at the Australian Game Developer Awards. And mm -hmm. then it won Best Indie Game at Golden Joystick. Yeah. Just a mere few days ago. So I, I wouldn't definitely don't count out any of these games. But, Lamb game has a very good chance. Um, any of them do. Any but them do. for me, right, I, I kind of it kind of comes down to one of these games is nominated for and certainly will not win Game of the Year. 
Yes, exactly. So this is where it gets it. Sorry. Like, this is, this is how this goes. Yep. And that's fine. Best ongoing game. Wait a second. Is this just Yeah, I was about to say, did you recognize how familiar this list is? Fortnite, Final Fantasy XIV, Destiny 2, The Witch Queen, Apex Legends, and Genshin Impact, which makes me think, what did No Man's Sky do wrong this year? Yeah, no kidding. It (laughs) obviously has the community support. Um... Just because Genshin, I think I put Final Fantasy fourteen here. I wouldn't be surprised if Genshin gets it. People fucking love this game, like a lot. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. Okay, we're gonna play a game. Okay, without uh-huh. without looking. Uh huh. Now, Call of Duty Warzone was nominated for this last year. Yeah. Other than that, and you guessed it, it is the same nominees. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Which one? didn't make the cut last year without looking at last year's nomination without looking looking, without looking oh without looking at all so um well no 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 no. look at this year's feel free to look at this year's apex Uh, destiny 2 final fantasy 14 fortnite genshin impact which one of those was modern warfare last year uh apex no was it final fantasy Mm -mm. final fantasy one Oh, I thought you said Warzone won. No, no, no. It was nominated. Warzone was nominated. Yeah, yeah. Final Fantasy won, actually. Which one was it? Destiny 2. Interesting. Destiny 2 Interesting. Was yeah. Okay. That was my they next really guess. I just didn't want to like up. keep guessing and keep being wrong. They really stepped it up this year. <laughs> Eventually, I had you to You would have made right. it through all five, and yeah. then you would have been like, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Games for Impact, a memoir blue as Dusk Falls, Citizen Sleeper, Endling Extension is for uh, Extinction is Forever, Hindsight, and <laughs> I Was a Teenage Exocolonist. Um, I now, don't know enough about any of these games to make a good comment. Yeah, I I like I I like heard people saying as Dusk Falls was really good. So, and also I think that this is the only probably the only chance to really give xbox game studios an award <laughs> from a bone man um so yeah i'm going with as dusk falls but i don't know i don't know at all where, where was the other xbox game studios man Let me see that's what i was just looking for actually um because it's not anywhere on the top half of this list as dusk falls Oh, it was As Dusk Falls for Innovation and Accessibility. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think Games for Impact, As Dusk Falls. Yeah. Now, right. the best performance, Ashley Birch as Aloy um, in Horizon Forbidden West, Man Engage as Marissa Marcel in Immortality, Christopher Judge as Kratos, God of War Ragnarok, Charlotte McBurney as Amicia Derune in A Plague Tale Requiem, and Sonny Sulik, I'll say, as Atreus in God of War Ragnarok. Um, I think Sonny wins this. Sure. It's, It's difficult unless you've really started diving into the game, but... I think Kratos carried the first one, and I very much like. I did not like Atreus for most of the game, 
And this is really rounding out his character in such a way that he no longer, like, I no longer throw my axe at him every once in a while just for catharsis. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like, yeah, I could see, um, Plague Tale getting this, mm-hmm. um, because I, I don't think it's really going to win much else. Yeah. I had, uh, I don't want to know enough to comment because I haven't played the new God of War yet. Right. I've played Forbidden West and I feel like it's not fair for me to say that Forbidden West should win it. Um, even though Ashley Birch's performance in that in this game was good, there were a lot of gripes that I had with the direction of the game that is in no way a fault of the actor. Of Ashley, yeah. So audio design. This is a this is a rough category this year. Yeah. Audio design and score, I both put IDK. Um, yeah. Okay, so audio design. We have <laughs> Modern Warfare 2, we have Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Gran Turismo, and Horizon Forbidden West. So let's see. Last year, audio design went to Forza. Mm-hmm. Racing um, games have such good audio. They have to. Yeah. So I could definitely see that. Because by all intents and purposes, Gran Turismo 7 wasn't a bad game. It was just a disaster <laughs> in its launch. Key difference. Um, yeah follow me here folks um Uh, i would i again haven't played enough of these games i didn't hear a lot talking about elden ring's audio design which obviously people aren't really going to do just like casually scrolling through twitter yeah i loved forbidden west's audio design yeah but i loved god of war 2018's more i i think the, the the question is what up what sequel did the most in terms of updating, right? Because for me, God of War Ragnarok, and this goes for score and music as well, Masterclass. Absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. More of the same. Yeah. Like, it was already so, so good. Even if you get it so, so good again, which they have managed to do against all odds, how do you, like, a lot of times if you just meet what expectations are there now where like I don't think anybody when they rebooted God of War there were a lot of people now this is the revisionist history you'll never hear but there were a lot of people that were like why are we going back to this series like Mm -hmm. Kratos isn't interesting why are we and nobody expected it to be the absolute masterpiece that it became clear that it was going to be over time obviously once they uh, did demos and showed it off at E3s and stuff, we were like, oh God, this is going to be tremendous. But yeah, it really came out of nowhere in some respects, even still. But now the, the expectations are there for Santa Monica to really nail it, which they did, <laughs> but now the expectation is there. So I don't know if this wins either of these categories again just based off of that. I could see Elden Ring getting one of the two. Again, you got, I mean, Elden Ring, for all intents and purposes, one of the great games. Mm-hmm. But sure. you know, I don't know. Games of all time. 
Um, yeah, I would. I I like how robot dinosaurs sound. I know. I I know that sounds reductionary. What we were just talking about. Uh, robot dinosaurs sound very cool. Uh, yeah. So I want to get design to Forbidden West because they do a really good job of mixing the futuristic sci-fi part of it. Yeah. With the like nature part of a world rebuilding, and it just mm. all sounds really good. Yeah. Um, score and music. Oh boy. I have thoughts about this one. Oh my god! So I'm here, let me just drink my tea. <laughs> so, best score in music is down to a Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Metal Hellsinger, and Xenoblade Chronicles Three. I really want Metal Hellsinger to win for two reasons. One, I've played ninety percent of this game. Phenomenal, exceptionally fun game. It's not nominated for any other category at all which sucks two the other main thing they brought in a lot of like heavy metal musicians to like write and compose these pieces right in like 45 to 50 percent of the game is listening to it so as i'm sitting here i'm like bopping my head and tapping my foot to keep rhythm as i'm like jamming out to these songs and as you play you get progressively better so the entire point of the game is to play better so you can hear the actual vocal tracks because vocals don't kick in until you're on a 16x combo. Okay. And then every time you hear it is if you're like keeping perfectly in beat for 16 beats in a row. Um no, it's just it's such such a such a such a good soundtrack. And obviously the biggest contention here is that's not for everybody. Right. And I that's that is the biggest thing. But you have to respect even if it's not for you and this is <laughs> this is where we get we get into things, right? Because even if it's not for you, you have to respect a game very much along the lines of what Doom did several years ago, where like it made that its identity, you know? Yeah. And Doom won a lot of awards just based off of it making that its entire identity. Including best sound and music design at the Game Awards in 2016. Yeah. So we've I, I seen it go that way before. I think a good second, though, would be Xenoblade 3. Xenoblade series has always had phenomenal score in music, um, as most Nintendo games tend to do. So I think this would, if they don't want to go with Metal Hellsinger, I think the Xenoblade 3 will be a good runner up. But Metal Hellsinger's only nomination here at all is score in music. So if they don't give it to Metal Hellsinger, I will be very sad for two feathers. Yeah. Best <sighs> art direction, Stray, Scorn, Horizon Forbidden West, God of War Ragnarok, Elden Ring. And with these last four categories, okay? It's kind of a it's it's kind of a pickem. It's kind of a mm -hmm. pickem. Because all of these games did fantastically in all of these categories. <laughs> so it it becomes, okay, what are we going to give to what? Which is unfortunate, but mm. I don't know. I have thought, what is, this is going to sound weird. What is Scorn? Oh my God, I didn't know either. Thank God. First person biopunk survival horror game developed by a Serbian developer, Eb Studio, inspired by the works of visual artists H.R. Geiger and uh, Zadislav Bikinski. Uh, Bikinski, sorry. Um, 
humanoid lost in a nightmarish world filled with odd creatures and living techno-organic structures of composed machines, flesh and bone. They must ex the players must explore different interconnected regions in a non-linear fashion, searching for answers that will explain more about the game's world. Uh, There's a I, I'm on a gameplay walkthrough of it right now that's like a little over two and a half hours long. Short game. Well, um, I'm interested to see why it's chosen for this category at all. It did not do amazing on reviews. Yeah. Uh, Game Revolution gave it a 6 out of 10. IGN gave it a 7 out of 10. GameSpot gave it a 4 out of 10. Yeah, and Metacritic has it at a 70 on PC, 64 uh -huh. on, on Xbox. I mean, it. I it definitely... I'm looking at it now. Like, it looks... Oh, it's this game. It looks like your... I hate to say it, but it looks like your standard, generic, ooh, everything is guts. Like... Yeah. I don't see any of this that is, like, moving the genre forward, so to speak. $40, Casey. This game does look really going to lie art direction is the place that this game would really work super well for you but against know, any I of these other games to give this art direction i don't know i would even put i would put stray over it okay and then i would put i, I would probably put it last honestly just from what I, I'm seeing I, here. I like the art direction they go for, though, and that's different, right? If you're yeah. just, like, not feeling the guts, that's cool. But I like techno-gore, like, as a concept, if it's not past 7 o'clock at night. No, I mean, I definitely... I'm not against the concept. Yeah, I just, it just don't feels see, safe. I don't see anything particularly outstanding about it when you're up yeah. against... Especially the top three juggernauts that it's up against, you know? give this probably this category as much as i do think squared looks good i would probably give it to elden ring yeah i think this is where elden ring takes its win so best narrative plague tale requiem elden ring god of war ragnarok horizon forbidden west and immortality i have not played a lot of these games i can't comment on it uh i'm probably gonna guess requiem yeah i think that this is where it gets its flowers yeah, because I because like that's I said, the whole I don't thing it, about this game. I don't see it doing right. much else. <laughs> yeah, I like didn't realize the Plague Tale Requiem was out. Yeah, I haven't heard anybody say a thing about it. I heard some people talk about it. They're upset that it's locked into thirty FPS. That's fine. Mm. That's an okay thing to be upset about. But that's really all I've heard. I've heard it's good though. Outside of that, I've heard it's a it's I've heard it's a good experience, but. So, best game direction and game of the year. Now, the reason that I put these two together is because they often go hand in hand. Best game direction and game of the year are two of those categories that either... It, it's one of two ways every year. Either the game of the year also wins this category, which often happens... Or mm -hmm. it feels like a consolation prize for the second place. For runner-up, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it always seems like it's one of the two. In this particular case, I think Elden Ring takes game direction, God of War takes game of the year. 
but I could easily flip that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, one more time. To me, Elden Ring takes consolation. God mm-hmm. of War takes the big ones. Yeah, I had it backwards from that. I have God of War taking direction and Game of the Year going to Elden Ring just because I'm worried about the outrage that people will have if Elden Ring doesn't win because Souls players can be big babies. I mean, that's true. And considering that it is... This really puts Jeff Keighley in a, in a weird situation. Not as if, like... Not as if he's, you know got his hands and everything but like when god of war came out he gave god of war everything uh-huh. and elden ring was like i don't believe there was a um a most like anticipated game category at that time it doesn't appear that there was but, like, even then, it probably would have been Elden Ring. Like, yeah. um, people were pumped for this game, dude. And they right. continued that when it came out. Like, it didn't, yeah. like, either it way, we're still talking hasn't about, fallen off. We're talking about one of the highest rated games of all time ever, no matter what. I mean, it, yeah. Elden Ring won most anticipated in the first year, which was 2020. And then like it won last year in most anticipated. So for me, either one of these could go either way. Yeah. I, I I think going either way is also probably the way it's going to go. Um, I'm like I said, I think Elden Ring is going to get it simply for the fact that this game's been out since February and people are still loving and playing this game. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna pull up Steam charts one last time here. Elden Ring on Steam charts currently has an active player as of 32 minutes ago. Mm. Still has active players of 22,000 players. People are still loving this game. Yeah. That like almost a year later. I think Elden Ring's gonna get it. As much as I want God of War to get it, I think Elden Ring probably will. Mm. So I have uh Casey, I don't know if you've noticed in our general chat here in our Discord, I have posted my list of what I think what I um who I thought was winning what. And I see you've done the same. Yeah. So I, I would like to be able to compare these um, whenever we go to talk about it next week after we, after since we've already definitely planned that we're going to record afterwards for sure. Didn't realize that on air that we had to do that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited to in next year or next week, not maybe next year, depending on how everything's <laughs> been. I'm excited next week to take a look at our lists and see how close that we were. Yeah, because we're never close. No, never. But I'll <laughs> see never... just how how bad we are. I'll probably end up making an Excel document and I'll put our names in there and I'll, I'll tally us up and see who got closer. Heck yeah, we need to track it by year too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll make I'll make us a Google Drive document later. Don't you worry. I have nothing. I I have a uh, I have free time at work to do. This week. <laughs> excellent. I'll, excellent. I'll have some time tomorrow. All right. Yeah. I guess let's see how it goes. Folks, we will see you next week. And if you want to have all of those those beautiful, sweet musings in your ear, Raven, tell the people where they can find us. 
They can find us at Making Fun Pod on Twitter and Facebook. They can find you, Casey, at Casey on the Drums on Facebook, Instagram, and a little bit of Twitter. And they can find me, Raven, at Ravenstadmiller without the E, the first E, on Twitter. You can listen to our podcasts wherever you find your podcasts, such as the place that you're currently listening to this podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, congratulations. Consider subscribing to the podcast. At this point, I've just decided to see how many times I can say the word podcast before it no longer sounds like a word. It still does, weirdly enough. It's such a weird word. It's not one of those short words that ends up, you forget kind of mm. it being a word. Yeah. Podcast is such like a harsh amount of syllables that it always feels like a real word. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got, man. <laughs> okay. Well, folks, we will see you next week. And until that time, my friends, go out and brighten someone's day. Bye.